Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this message, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or a friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Ben, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. And, and I want to thank you for all the cards, all the love, all the encouragement um, that you have sent our way. It was a most special evening this past uh, uh, Wednesday night, and the way you honored us is just uh, beyond belief. I thank you so much for the way you have loved us. We received a lot of cards, and they were all beautiful, but one card stood out above all the others. And when I opened the card, my wife handed it to me to open, and when I opened the card, this is the first thing it says. It says, when a red-headed heathen. (laughs) I'm not making this up. You can see, when a red-headed heathen can charm a beautiful, gracious, and loving child of God to marry him, then you know that there is a God. Oh, I'm not going to tell you who sent that, but it was uh, Linda and Patsy. Oh, did I? I said their names then. Uh, <laughs> they went on to say some very sweet and loving things, and that was exactly what I needed for uh, a good laugh. The, um, the message this morning is an introductory message, and... Uh, It's something that I want to deal with in the weeks and months to come. And it's something that I have studied for years. And so uh, I'm just going to entitle it The Holy Paradox. The Holy Paradox. Now, first of all, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I want to make sure that we all know what a paradox is. Now, I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but I just want to I just want to make sure uh, that, that we're all thinking the same way. Uh, I'll begin by defining an expression that I'm sure you've heard. And it's the expression mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. Stay with me now and, and this will help us lay the groundwork. If two things are mutually exclusive, that means that they cannot both happen at the same time. I'll give you an illustration. I brought a silver dollar with me today. And, and by the way, I picked this silver dollar up at ransom, uh, just random. And I was amazed when I looked down because it says 1971. That's a good year. 50 years ago. That was when I met my wife. Not when I met her. It's when I married my wife. Wow. Praise the Lord. 
Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, I guess for the Vic family, I can say that was when I lost my freedom. And the reason I say that is because we had this wonderful, glorious, spirit-filled service yesterday as we paid our respects and remembered the life of our dear brother Reynolds Vic. And Miss Weta got up and spoke and did a masterful job. But what she said, I will never forget. She said, the day Reynolds Vic kissed me was the day he lost his freedom. <laughs> 1971. By the way, uh, the class of 1971, the Wakala High School class, had their 50th reunion last night. Do we have members of the class who are here today? Stand up if you're here. Come on. Marva, Beth, come on, stand up. Beth, Sarah, 50 years ago. We had a great time last night. Huh? Lori, where's Lori? Lori's in the Children's Worship Center. But anyway, so back to mutually exclusive. By the way, this is a real silver dollar. It's not counterfeit. Talked about that not long ago. It's, it's the real deal, has a real head, has a real tail. And so I just, I want you to know that. This is not a trick. It's not a magic trick. But I just want you to know that. And so I want to do this. Heads or tails? Everybody thinks it's heads, raise your hand. Everybody thinks it's tails, raise your hand. All right, now listen carefully. Everybody who thinks it's both. <laughs> if, if you raise your hand now, we're going to get you some help. <laughs> you see, heads and tails are mutually exclusive. You can't have both at the same time. There are things in life that are mutually exclusive. All right, are you ready? I have no idea what it is. It is heads. Yeah, yeah. That was the majority. So, so in life, there's some things that are mutually exclusive. If this is true, this cannot be true. And if this is true, this cannot be true. They are what we call mutually exclusive. Now, hold on. If something is a paradox, then at face value, it appears to be mutually exclusive. If something is a paradox, it appears that it cannot possibly be true. But after deeper investigation and study and putting it to the test, you find out it is actually true. That's what makes it a paradox. Now, I'm not making this up. The Oxford Dictionary says that a paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which, when investigated, may prove to be well-founded or true. Now, here's the deal. The Bible is filled with paradoxes. I'm talking about on almost every page in the Bible. We find paradoxes. We find the Bible to be a holy paradox. Let me give you a short list, and trust me, this is a short list. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of these throughout the scriptures. We, as children of God, see the unseen. We see what cannot be seen. We conquer by yielding. 
we find rest under a yoke. We, we find greatness, we rule through serving. We're made great when we're willing to become small. We are exalted when we humble ourselves. We're made wise when we choose to be fools for Christ's sake. We find freedom when we become bondservants to our Savior. We gain strength when we become weak. We triumph in defeat. We find victory when we glory in our infirmities. We receive when we give. We live when we die. And we win when we lose. Now, I didn't make any of that up. Every bit of that comes from the scriptures. And more. You see, the Bible is a holy paradox. At face value, how can those things be true? For instance, how can you see what cannot be seen? But I got to tell you, according to the Bible, we as his children, through eyes of faith, we see what cannot be seen. Jesus even said on one occasion, greater are those who believe who have not seen. You see, Christians see what cannot be seen. In fact, one passage in the New Testament says this about us. It says, we do not look at the things that can be seen. We look at the things that cannot be seen because the things that can be seen are just temporary. But the things that cannot be seen are eternal. Oh, friend, I like hanging around people who can see what cannot be seen. Oh, that's the reason I love you guys so much. Because we have faith. And then how about, how about this one? And that is that we find rest under a yoke. I'll just hit a few of these. We, we find rest under a yoke. You see, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. You know what a yoke is, don't you? If you don't, a yoke is a piece of equipment that goes over the neck of animals, and it harnesses them. And it's a signal that you're about to go to work. This is about toiling. But Jesus said, when you get under my yoke, oh, you find rest. When you get under my burden, you find rest. When you get under the things of the word of God, you find rest. I'm telling you that much of the world looks at us like we're fools. Much of the world looks at us like we're crazy. They look at us like we are deprived, that we're missing out on something. But all friends, we found something they know nothing about. We have found rest under the burden of Christianity. And I don't even like to call it a burden to you. I've had some worldly burdens. They stink. But boy, this burden is beautiful. The burden of Christ and we can just go on and on uh, through the scriptures. Uh, one that catches my attention every time I read through the book of Second Corinthians is this one, is that we find victory by glorying in our infirmities. Second Corinthians 
says, therefore I take pleasure, this is the Apostle Paul now, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities in persecution in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, you talk about paradoxical. You can't get more paradoxical than that. By the way, this afternoon, if you were to receive a phone call from someone and that person said to you when you answered the phone with a loud voice, with a with a deep sense of excitement and enthusiasm, I am so excited. I've just got to tell somebody. I can't keep it to myself. i got to share it with somebody. And you're the first one I'm calling. I just want you to know I just tested positive for COVID. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's actually getting better than that. Listen, I just went on the internet and I found out some of my so-called closest friends are saying some ugly, mean, hateful things about me. Can, is this not a wonderful day or what? And you may interrupt and say, are you being sarcastic? No, 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 I am excited. I've got COVID and my neighbors are talking about me. Not only that, this morning I got a pink slip. They fired me. They won't admit it, but I know why they fired me. Because I take my Bible to work with me and I pray with people in the office. And I let Christ shine through me. And they fired me. And I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. Woo! This is good stuff. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, not only that, I'm being sued. For a lot of money. And now I don't even have a job. And here's the best part. The best part of all is I don't have a clue. I don't know what to do. But I am so excited. Now, had you not heard this message, and that happened to you this afternoon, you might respond this way. I want you to stay right where you are. I'm coming to get you. And we're going to get you some help. Because something's wrong. No, friends, I'm asking you, this is the word of God. Was Paul delusional? Was he losing his mind? Or had he figured something out called a holy paradox? That the world is upside down. And when we're weak, we become strong. And when we don't have answers, we get to the one who does have the answers. And when the world is down on us, oh, it introduces us to Christ. Someone quoted the scripture to me just the other day that it was good for me that I was afflicted because I've learned your statutes. Oh, child of God, listen. Paul knew Paul knew that when he was weak, he was strong, when he couldn't figure it out, when everything was going wrong. You see, we take pleasure when everything is right, but Paul took pleasure when everything was wrong. Now, how could he do that? Why would he do that? He actually tells us in the verse, for when I am weak, then I am strong. By the way, a golfing buddy of mine, you need golfing buddies like this. 
He says this to me all the time. If you haven't run into Satan today, you may, it may be because you're going in the same direction he's going in. See, friends, we have real enemies, don't we? We have a real enemy who inspires real enemies and real things happen. And friends, you may not like this, but the Bible says we shall through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, but it's okay. It's okay. Because we know Christ. Because he lives within our hearts. Because we've been born again. Because we see what cannot be seen. And we hold on to it by faith. Here's another one. I I may come back in this series and just deal with all of these. But here's another one. We win by losing. Isn't that strange? By the way, come on. Isn't the Bible a strange book? It is strange. Figure out what makes sense and read your Bible and you'll find out that you've got it all upside down. We win by losing. Matthew 10, 39. The Bible says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake. We'll find it. You see, the Bible says if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You see, the way to be right with God, the way to walk with God, the way to know that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior is you have to give up your life. You have to lose your life. You have to lose it. By the way, I want to give you a challenge. Uh, maybe for the next 72 hours, choose to lose. Just choose to lose. You get home this afternoon and there's a debate between you and your wife, choose to lose. Ladies, I knew I'd hear an amen when I said that. But <laughs> All right, let's try it the other way. Ladies, if you get home and you get in a squabble with your husband, choose to lose. There you go, guys. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> choose to lose. And by the way, if you, if you both hear the message and heed the message and both of you choose to lose, at least argue about which one's going to lose. <laughs> choose to lose. I'm telling you, losing is a lot better than winning most of the time. Because it involves humility. It involves surrender. It involves Christ-likeness. When you choose to lose. Tomorrow, when somebody disagrees with you, I always know when I preach these kind of messages, my family will throw this up in my face. But tomorrow, when somebody disagrees with you, why don't you look at them? You don't even have to say, I choose to lose, but why don't you look at that person and why don't you just say this? You know what? You may be right and I may be wrong. Let me think about this a little longer. End of argument. It just stops. The Bible talks about the righteous person not being contentious choose to lose it's a challenge by the way i'd like for all of my children and teenagers to stand up just stand up come on come on stand up stand up stand up all around first of all you're a good looking bunch come on just remain standing just for a moment yeah 
Believe it or not, I, uh, not everybody stood. When I said this is a good-looking bunch, somebody else stood up. <laughs> All right. Now you may be seated, but I want you to know my next remarks are directed toward you. This afternoon, tomorrow, when you get in an argument with your parents, choose to lose. You say, that's insane. Oh, no. That's biblical. Choose to lose. There's a debate. You're saying one thing. Your parents are saying something else. Do this. Do it respectfully. I, and listen, it won't even matter that your parents are hearing me say this. It will work. Trust me. Do this. Throw your hands up and say, respectfully say, please stop. I understand. Now, teenagers, this is what you're going to say. I understand that you're older than me. I understand that you're smarter than me. I understand you have more experience than I do. I understand you have wisdom that I do not have at this point in my life. I understand you love me and you want what's best for me. And so mom or dad, we don't have to talk about this anymore. I choose to lose. Tell me what you want or don't want. And that's what I'll do. And then you will probably need to dial 911. Because <laughs> they're going to pass out when you say that. First of all, they don't believe you're listening to me when I preach. And then they don't think for a moment you'd actually do it. But I'm telling you that if you did just a little bit of that, you will win a thousand times more than you would if you fight for your own rights. Wow. When you and I can stop trying to win all the time. And when we're willing to lose. Things start happening in the heavenlies. I want to tell you, God loves humility. God loves that kind of humility. Where it doesn't always have to be my way. But by the way, is there anybody here who loves a know-it-all? Preston, I see that hand. Besides Preston, is there anybody here that loves a know-it-all? We don't. Somebody who's always right. Somebody who always has to win. I'm telling you, we don't like people like that, do we? I, can I... Tell you, God doesn't like people like that either. And friends, if you want to have friends, you want to be successful. I'm just trying to tell you that there is this divine, marvelous, miraculous, holy paradox. That if we get into the word of God and read the word of God and humble ourselves before a holy God and start walking it out. Oh, what a difference. It will make in our lives. What a, what a difference. I, I want to read this to you because this is the Apostle Paul. And this is one of the greatest paradoxes in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. Paul talks about, and we're just going to jump right into the conversation. He says, we're genuine, yet regarded as imposters. We're known, yet regarded as unknown. We're dying, and yet we live on. We're beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, 
poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, read that last statement with me, yet possessing all things. You talk about being paradoxical. I, I, I asked myself years ago, why would Paul put that in the scriptures? And I, and I came to this conclusion, and I believe the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. Paul was saying that because he wanted people to understand when you look at us, it may look like we're losing, but we're really winning. Oh, friends, it may look like you're losing, but you may be winning if Christ is at the center of your life. You see, friends, the Bible, the Holy Bible, is a holy paradox. The whole thing, the whole story, the whole foundation. Listen, he came down from glory. He was born of a virgin. He, he puzzled the intellectuals of his day. He performed miracles everywhere he went. He healed people. And then all of a sudden, this Savior, this hero, this Deliverer, this Messiah, who came into the world to save us, they took him, they mocked him, they humiliated him, they stripped him, he was beaten beyond recognition, and then they nailed him to a cross. How in the world does that fit in with redemption? How is it possible? And listen, they asked that question. He could not save himself. How could he save others? Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And as the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. And his thoughts than our thoughts. Oh, friends, listen to me. Without a crucifixion, there could not be a resurrection. No pain, no gain. No cross, no crown. No suffering, no glory. No sacrifice, no reward. And friends, that doesn't just apply to Christ. That is true, everything I just said. But it applies to you and me. It applies to all of us. Without a crucifixion, there cannot be a resurrection. The Apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was saying, you've got to be crucified. You've got to be crucified. Oh, friends. Today we celebrate communion, and we're going to worship a little more in just a few moments, and then we will celebrate communion. But before we do, I want to give an altar call. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, can I pray with you down front to make this the day that you do one of the strangest things on planet Earth, and there is nothing stranger than our God the Bible and salvation, that you give up your life. Did you hear me? 
If you want to walk down this aisle to make your life better, don't come down this aisle. If you want to walk down this aisle to say enough already, I surrender. I give my life up. I give my life to Christ. I want to be crucified with Christ. I want him to live in me. I want a new life. I love the scripture that says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a total transformation. If you're not sure, would you be sure today? And then I want to ask you if you know that you are a Christian. You know you're a Christian. But you also know there are some things in your life that have not been surrendered to Christ. Oh, friends, there are no exceptions to this holy paradox. You got to give it up. You got to give it up. One of the things I'll do in this series is I'm going to, I'll just kind of whet your appetite for this. I'm going to give you about six or seven different outlines in the Bible outlining salvation. This is the strange thing. Did you know no two of them are the same? Jesus dealt with people at the point of their need. He dealt with them at the point of their stumbling block. What they had to deal with. I don't know what your stumbling block is, but I want to tell you, friends, if you will surrender. If you will say, I can't do this. I give my life up for Christ. So if it's for salvation or if it's just something that you're battling with, come lay it down at the altar. Make peace with God about this. Would you stand with me right now? I do want to tell you this, friends, and that is that as we celebrate communion, this is a most sacred thing. And the reason I'm doing this now is because the Bible tells us to examine ourselves and to search ourselves and not to take this lightly. That if there's something in your life, something in my life that where we're not right with God, we get it right. We get it right. When we celebrate his sacrifice, it better be because we've been willing to sacrifice whatever he's called upon us to give up. As we sing, the altar is open. Would you come? Bow here at the altar. Pray. Let me pray with you. Find Christ as your Lord and Savior. Will you come right now? Don't wait on anybody else. I'll meet you down front. Thank you again for viewing this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can also call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life Live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.